0: psalm 12 tonight if you guys want to open up to psalm chapter 12 and as we open to psalm 12 i wonder if there's anyone here who needs help anyone here need help for any reason and of course i know uh we do right as a matter of fact looking out at some of you guys i think you need a lot of help to be honest with you man You know, a a lot's going on and I wish not that I could help, you know, the way that God can, but I kind of wish I could sit down with every single person and say, hey, what's heavy on your heart? What's going on in your life? You know, what are your struggles? I just, you know, you just get interested in the trials and the burdens that people possess. You know, what's the problem? Um, Did you know that sometimes our problems linger because we can't put our finger on the problems? Sometimes it's crazy. People are so busy that they haven't even really sat down before God to identify the problems in their life. You know, I know for me, like when I go and I spend time with the Lord and I get on my knees, I just kind of like, I just spend time with God and I say, God, search my heart. You know, what's going on in my life? What's going on with my wife? You know, what are her hurts? And and then my daughter, Lord, what's the situation there? My son, you know, the ministry, we need to get before the Lord and be able to identify our problems. Because if you don't know what the problems are, then you will never really experience the answers. That God wants to give. You know, how would you finish this sentence? Help, Lord, for. And then you fill in the blank. And we're going to see that's what David prayed tonight. And we might need God's help tonight. We also might need God's heart tonight. Maybe you're here and your heart, you know, if you're honest, your heart, your heart has not been right. In God's sight. Maybe it's been divided, dishonest, disloyal, disobedient, you know, and and it's so I want to tell you this, believe it or not, you've come to the right place. If you want help for your heart, if you're open tonight that I want you to know God is more than willing to come into your heart, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, maybe you're here, you're not a Christian, maybe you are. It doesn't even matter. The bottom line is, if you're not open, then God won't move. But if you are, then the living, loving God is willing to meet you here tonight. And I love this psalm, uh, Psalm 12. Look what we read in verse 1. It says, to the chief musician, a psalm of David. I'm sorry, yeah, Psalm 12. Right. (laughs) Psalm 12 to the chief musician on an eight stringed harp, A psalm of David. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceases for the faithful disappear from among the sons of men. Here we see in this psalm that David cries out to God for help. Um, He cries out for protection and deliverance from ungodly men and unfaithful men. You know, they seem to have been men who at one time David trusted, but now they had turned from him. You know, the NIV, it translates it in an interesting way. It says, help, Lord, for no one is faithful anymore. Those who are loyal have vanished from the human race. It's interesting, you know, kind of like today in David's day, whatever was going on at this time, there was a lack of loyalty. You know, that word loyalty is an interesting word. It means giving or showing support to a person in the ups and downs of life. It's it's being faithful to a person or a cause. I like this. It's friendly allegiance. Doesn't mean you follow them, you know, with blinders on your eyes, but you uh, as, as a friend are loyal to them you know david's saying, "Help, Lord, for the faithful man they're they 're not around anymore. The guys that are loyal it 's like uh it 's like old school for whatever reason you know now, I personally believe that this psalm was written during the time that David was on the run from saul and and so the very same soldiers that David had previously fought side by side with. The men he at one time led, the men he loved, turned on him. They were disloyal to him. And, and, and worse, way worse than that is that they were, in being disloyal to David, their leader, were disloyal to God. Watch what happens in this verse right here. Look at verse 2. It says, They speak idly, everyone with his neighbor. With flattering lips and a double heart, they speak. You see, their hearts were divided. And that's kind of ugly. So their words were divisive. You know, duplicity led to flattery. And, of course, the reason for flattery, if you guys know, is to get someone on your side, you know, to get what you want. It's called uh, communication manipulation. That's what flattery is. And you guys, just uh, as a general rule of life, you guys know, beware of flattery. You know, and it's hard sometimes because someone gives you an honest compliment and and is sincere. They're not really seeking anything. No position, no possessions, no prestige, no power. You know, that's that's okay. but, But when they want something from you, that's when it can get really tough. We have to beware of flattery. Remember, flatterers look like friends, just like wolves resemble dogs. And sometimes it's hard to tell the difference, huh? Uh, we have a picture here, I think, yeah. Uh, which one's a wolf, which one's a dog? Some of you guys probably know, huh? They look so similar, but they're so different. Um, from what I understand, uh, wolves, their snouts are a little, little longer, but not always usually wolves are stronger but not always usually wolves are bigger but not always Um, their teeth are similar they have the same number of teeth but the wolves teeth are especially their molars are stronger and they can crush bones Uh, they say and i don't know for sure if this is true that wolves are smarter they're better hunters Wolves definitely like to run in packs as opposed to dogs who can kick it alone. They're, they're different. They look the same, but they're different. This is something interesting. Uh, dogs bark. Wolves don't. You know, a dog will warn you when something's coming. A wolf won't. Uh, dogs uh, Wolves howl. Dogs don't always howl. They can learn to howl. But here's the most important thing about wolves and dogs is that, wolves are wild and they they cannot there are exceptions but they cannot for the most part live with men dogs are man's best friend amen Amen. how many of you love dogs thank you lord for dogs not cats you know it's just so (laughs) cool man you know and so no i'm sorry i know joey has a lot of cats i'm sorry um (laughs) Cats are cool too sometimes. But anyways, what I'm trying to say is that, you know, there's David and, and then he's got these flatterers. And, and it's, just, it's, just, it's really sickening to see what was going on in Israel between Saul and the soldiers and all the flattery that's taking place between them two because Saul wanted the guys on his side and the guys wanted what Saul could give to them. And David saw the whole thing going down. It's been said that flattery is a mouth that praises and a hand that kills. It's all about power, prosperity, position. We read here in verse 2, notice again that they speak idly, everyone with his neighbor, with flattering lips and a double heart they speak. You know, literally in the Hebrew language, it's a heart and a heart. That's what it says in the Hebrew. And so they were divided. And here's the thing. Not ultimately divided between David and Saul. They were divided between the enemy and the Almighty. Because at the end of the day, when you're divisive, that's really the bottom line. And so in the situation, you know, David prays. He prays that God would get him. Look at verse 3. <laughs> he says, May the Lord cut off all flattering lips and the tongue. That speaks proud things. You know, David wanted the drama to end. Get rid of it, God. David knew all too well that people can use their tongues to start trouble. It's like double trouble. So he prays that God would just bring it to an end. Lord, don't let it linger any longer. I'm done with this. You know all the talk, all the trouble. Lord, I pray you'd cut it off. Lord, I would pray you cut it out. I mean that he might even have been praying, "God, kill him." To to cut someone off in the Hebrew language, it could mean that. And you know, I, and I don't know, you know, what's going on in your life or how this will ever come into play. Maybe you're here tonight and you have problems at work. A lot of times, uh, it's there's craziness at work because huh? people are jockeying for position and. You know, I, I've talked to people in their work situation, and it just uh, it just breaks your heart. You know, this guy right here is such a cool cat. I mean, just loves the Lord, you know, is a, is a faithful worker. But you know how it is sometimes, man, the boss or, you know, the the politics of it all. You know, things start happening at work or, or maybe in family. How many of you guys have drama in your family? No, I'm just joking. I won't make you raise your hand. <laughs> You know, and not that you want them to be hurt or, or anything, but it's like, Lord, bring peace. You know, let it end. You know, sometimes it even happens in ministry. That's really sad when it happens there, right? You know, it creeps into the church. And I just want to encourage you guys here today that we should endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit. There's only one God. There's one church. There's one spirit. We should be one. We shouldn't be whispering or gossiping or slandering or dividing in any way with our our dialogue, you know. I mean, we see here in verse 4 that the reason they speak so sinfully is because they have this mentality that says our lips are our own. Notice what it says there in verse 4 at the end of verse 4. Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? I mean, that's crazy, huh? You know, we should know. I pray you guys know that your lips are not your own. That the words you speak, man, they should be approved by the Almighty before you speak them. That your lips are not your own. That your lives are not your own. Do you know that? You know, the Bible says Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. He says, do you not know? I mean, it's like, don't you guys know this? Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have from God, and you are not your own? You know, our whole body, man, from head to toe, is uh, a body that belongs to God the Holy Spirit and uh, takes up residence within us we are his house and we are not our own we've been bought at a price we've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ we are not our own and so you know the context there in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 is in reference to staying pure sexually um, but I was even thinking about the whole thing about lips, you know, cause uh, I, you know, I would encourage young people. If you're not married, um, single people, I would say, don't kiss until you get married. That's my personal conviction because your lips belong to God and your lips belong to your spouse. That's my personal opinion. But anyways, um, I was thinking about that, and you know, when it comes to lips, uh, we got to give God everything. That's you know, kissing and communication, and so you know, they're saying, "Well, our lips are our own. Our, our our who's Lord over us?" And that's why they just ran the motor mouth that they had. And 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 I just, man, I want to encourage you, myself included. Let's be really careful in our conversation. You know, something interesting, we read, we read it in verse 2, but I want to go back to it. Look what it says. It says, they speak idly. They speak idly, everyone with his neighbor. And when it says they speak idly. It's like they didn't really care. It was a land of loose lips, not careful conversation, You know, not understanding what the Bible teaches, not realizing that God hears every single syllable of every word you will ever say. And one day we will give an account for every idle word that we speak. That's what the Bible says in Matthew 12, verse 36. And so I would say that the Lord should be the Lord of our lips. Amen? You guys think that's good? Or no? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, now having established that, it's interesting to me, what we read here in verse 4, I'm not sure about your Bible, but in my Bible, the L in Lord is not capitalized. Notice again what we read in verse 4. It says, who have said with our tongue, we will prevail, our lips are not our own. Who is Lord over us? Now, I'm not sure about your Bibles, but how many of you hear in your Bibles, it's not a capital L? Raise your hand. It's not a capital L. And you know what that means? It means the translators were wise enough to realize that this word is not in reference to God. It's in reference to a man that God had placed over them. And what these guys were saying in essence is like we don't want David to rule over us. That that's basically really what they were saying, you know. David who happened to be a loving leader who in the past was captain of the army of Israel and you know led them to victory who in the future would be the king in Israel It was something that Saul and the soldiers were resisting. And so, you know, the truth is, and and it's just a hard, it's hard for us, but there is a structure in the church, there's a structure in the world. And when we despise or think little of human authority, we actually despise and think little of divine authority. And so these guys, you know, that was their heart. David sees all this and he prays. He prays, in verse 1, what did he pray? Help, Lord, (laughs) help. In verse 3, what did he pray? "Um, Get them, Lord. You know, cut off their flattering lips. He prayed. And in verse 5, God answered. Notice what it says. It says, For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now I will arise, says the Lord, I will set him in the safety for which he yearns. I don't know if you guys were here for the first uh, psalm that we taught, but I I mentioned to you that there's a, a psalm for every sigh. You know, let's all sigh together. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? It's like, oh, no, not again. Do I have to go through this? Do I have to go through this kind of drama? And David's like sighing, you know, and the Lord says, OK, I see what's going on here. The needy is sighing. The poor is being oppressed. And I, and I think David qualified for both. I mean, he's on the run. He's living in the caves of Adullam. You know, the cool thing is, when you go to Israel, you're going to be able to see some of those caves. They're not that impressive, but still you know you're going to be able to see them where david you know lived i mean there was no you know mcdonalds around there there weren't any 711s i mean it was a rough life you know it was a, it was a tough life and so the lord says okay i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to answer your prayer you know the hebrew word here translated oppression it, it speaks of havoc and violence and destruction ruin and devastation and the enemy had done that it's interesting when you study the life of David. In First Samuel twenty-two is an example of how Saul came in. He killed eighty-five priests, all their families, women and children. I mean, the enemy was getting violent, and and so the Lord here, he says in verse five again, for the oppression of the poor, that that violence that's 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 being, you know. Havoked and wreaked against them for the sighing of the needy. God says, now I will arise and I will set him in the safety for which he yearns. You know, the 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 priests died. Their families died. Question is David next. And so God says, listen, David, I've heard your prayer. I will arise and I will set him speaking probably of David in the safety for which he yearns. And basically you guys what I what I think we see here is a personal promise that God gave to David because he prayed. Because he prayed. You know, he 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 prayed. I wonder if we really know the difference that prayer makes i mean do you guys really know that I'm reminded of uh, that time when Jerusalem was surrounded by 185,000 Assyrians. That's a lot of Assyrians. This is a country that nobody could defeat. This is a country that they would go into town and they would take all the heads. They would chop them all off and they would stack them up in a pyramid. This is a country that was so cruel that they would cut off limbs, take you away captive. This is a country so cruel that they would take the leaders and they would impale them. For everyone to see, so Jerusalem is surrounded by 185,000 Assyrians. Hezekiah doesn't know what to do. He really, he can't do nothing. We, we can't do nothing. You can't save your spouse. You can't bring your children, you know, to that place that 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 they need to be. I mean, how many of us here are facing situations that are absolutely impossible? But you haven't really prayed the way you've been called to you know david prayed i mean think about writing a song i mean for those of you who have ever written a song you know it's not that easy i mean for the most part you know but you gotta you gotta you gotta work this whole thing out you gotta come up with it whatever it is you're gonna play on the eight string psalm and and a uh, harp and you know, work out the words, and you know, you're, you know, you're. It's, it sometimes it takes a long time. I mean, David, this whole song is a prayer. It was serious prayer, and as a result of that, God, God answered. Hezekiah, you know, he prayed when they were surrounded by 185,000 Assyrians, and it didn't look, you know, very good. It looks so impossible, but the Bible says in 2 Kings 19 20, then Isaiah, the son of Amos, he sent to Hezekiah saying, thus says the Lord God of Israel, because you have prayed to me against Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard. What if he hadn't prayed? Do you think it would have been different? Yes. You know, there's an there's a interesting passage in the book of Ezekiel. It says that God was looking for someone to stand in the gap, but he didn't find anyone, so he didn't find anyone, so he had to judge the city. You know, there in 2 Kings, it's interesting, God sent one angel and he wiped out 185,000 Assyrians. And God says, it's because you prayed. And there's something kind of cool, that that story, that whole story there is found in three places in the Bible. It's found in 2 Kings 18, 2 Chronicles 32 and Isaiah chapter 36. So why is it found over and over and over again? So that we get the message that when you're surrounded by 185,000 Assyrians, that when you're stuck in a situation that is absolutely impossible, that you are being called to your knees. And if you pray, God will deliver you. I have a feeling that a lot of Christians, they don't. And there's a million excuses, but I want to encourage you guys uh, tonight. Let there be a new beginning. Imagine if God really stirred us up as a praying church. You know, sometimes I hear people say this, you know, and you pastors, you probably have heard this. You know, people say, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. (laughs) Pray. (laughs) Pray. I don't know what to do. You know, James chapter one says, pray, ask for wisdom. God says, I promise I'll give you wisdom and I'll give it to you liberally and without reproach. I'll show you what to do. We shouldn't really really be in a place where we don't know what to do. If you don't know what to do, it's because you're not praying. Yeah, but Manny, the sky is falling. The sky is falling. You know what to do when the sky is falling? Hold up your hands. (laughs) Pray. Because what will happen is God's omnipotence will meet your weakness, and he will will hold up the sky that's falling. He'll lift up the sky that's falling. He will either change them or he'll change the situation or more than likely he will change you. You're like, but I don't need to be changed. Yeah, right. (laughs) You need to be changed. We all need it. We need to grow. We need to grow in our prayer life. You know, the psalm right here, it's a prayer in verse one where it says help that word in the Hebrew literally means to save. And so David is a psalmist asking for salvation. David is is praying for deliverance. And so verse five, God gave him a personal promise. And God says, David, I tell you what, man, because you prayed, because you, you know, sought me the way that you did. Uh, I uh I'm going to keep you safe, and I'm going to do a work in your life. And so David responds then in verse 6, and he says, um, The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. You shall keep them, O Lord. You shall preserve them from this generation forever. The wicked prowl on every side when vileness is exalted among the sons of men. And 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 what David is basically saying here is, Lord, I hear your promise and I, I know it's true. Even though the world is wicked and evil in this world is exalted. God said, David, I want you to know that you will be protected by me. That's what God says. I mean, we live in a crazy world, huh? We're living in like Babylon, man. It's awful. The things that we see, you know, and and your boss does this and, you know, your compa does that or whatever. I don't know what our situations are and. And, you know, but this won't touch you. It won't touch you. Because you are the apple of his eye. And you. Have prayed. But if you haven't prayed. You know, it's interesting. We're going to look at a verse in James chapter four in just a second, but. You know, the, the Lord, he, he just says, here's the way it works. And I and I and I think this is true, because when you pray to God, I really believe that it's not just you talking to God. When we pray to God, I listen. Don't you listen? I'll tell you what I see most clearly when I pray. I really do. And so when you're praying, God is also going to be talking to you and he's going to be putting things on your heart. He's going to show you things. And so David here was praying and God answered him. And God said, I'm going to keep you safe. The safety that you yearn for, the dreams that you're destined for, the crown that one day you'll be king, that promise, that anointing is true. I'm going to keep you safe and everything's going to come to pass. And so David says, wow, that's cool to know. And as I hear God's word, His His word is pure. His word is sure. It's like the silver refined in the in the furnace seven times. I mean, God's word is true. You know, His truth is untainted, untarnished. God will protect us. When we pray, God will direct us. When we pray, God will perfect us. When we pray, God will take care of our children. When we pray, God will take care of our finances. When we pray, God will take care of the church. God will take care of you, us. When we pray. God will answer. God will give promises when we pray. You know, for David, it was a dynasty. It was a monarchy Since he prayed, God would rise and therefore David would rise. He would be saved from Saul. Even though the enemy wanted to end his life, David's enemies would die, not him. And David would go on to become the greatest king in the history of Israel. And even better than that, he would be a picture of Jesus. Which ultimately, that's what we want more than anything else. I mean, praise God that God can, you know, put me in a place and hopefully use my life. But at the end of the day, I want to be like Jesus. And that's what David was. And it's amazing how God would then use his life and through him, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, would be born. And David is just a great example for us. And I, and I just pray that as tonight we, we just come, you know, to the Lord's table, we search our hearts, we ask God for, you know, grace and, and you know, change us, Lord, that we would, if anything, I was thinking about this because you guys know how I get kind of weird sometimes, right? You know, a lot of times when you go to the, the doctor, um he usually, not always, unless you go to surgery, but, you know, usually he doesn't fix you right there, huh? Usually he doesn't. He says, hey, what's up, man? Why are you eating all these ding-dongs? You know, why are you eating all this junk food, right? You know, you need to get, you know, you need to get to, you know, exercising and change your diet or I'll tell you what, here's some medication or get some rest or or whatever it is. I mean, usually when you go, you know, he'll tell you what to do and in in one sense that's kind of what what tonight is although i do believe the holy spirit is here and he can do surgery tonight i believe god is here and he can touch hearts tonight he can do anything tonight for open but for the most part what ends up happening is we get this holy huddle then we go home and the question is will you pray I know I've been a Christian for a long time and and I tell you what my prayer life it's growing and I thank God for that and we need that we need to go to prayer meetings on Wednesday nights you ladies or Saturday morning guys Monday nights anyone's welcome start praying with your family You know, sometimes people have a hard time. You know, the Lord told Peter, hey, couldn't you pray for an hour? And so uh, I don't know what to pray, pray for an hour. Well, maybe if you pray for your kid, with your kids, with your family, you get a little time there, you know, you're like, well, I got little ones. Yeah, they're the best prayer warriors. man. Whenever I'm desperate, I get the kids praying. I'll tell you what. (laughs) And you watch what God will do. If you think about it, that's how your life began. As a Christian, it all began with a prayer. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, you know maybe you've gone to church all your life. That doesn't make you a Christian. You know, maybe uh you know, you're religious. That doesn't make you a Christian. Are you born again? You know, have you really given the, the Lord your life? I pray that today you would pray, God come into my heart that's how it starts if you need forgiveness if you need freedom if you need power if you need strength if you need life it's all available through a simple prayer jesus i need you come into my life but if you're a christian then then you also need to pray non-christian you need to pray for jesus to come in that's the only prayer he'll hear Christians you need to pray and, and you need to ask for help not just that you'd have life but that you'd have abundant life because sometimes you don't have James 4 2 says because you don't ask now right there in James 4 2 it's in the present tense in the Greek language it means that you don't keep on asking. And so Kenneth Wiest, who is a Greek scholar, I love the way he translates that verse. He says, you do not have because you are not praying. And so that's what what David did. He prayed, help, Lord. Because all these guys, man, there's a bunch of drama going on. And Lord, I tell you what, will you just end it? and god did god kept him safe god made him king god did such a great work in his life you know i've told you guys this story and i'll close with this as the musicians come forward and we get ready for communion tonight remember i told you the story about the the little boy and his dad told him to to move the big rock do you guys remember that and so um i'm sorry i'm gonna tell you again but you know, just in case, a uh, little boy, his dad asked him to move the big rock, and, and, he, and, he, and he said, okay, Dad, I'll do that for you. And, and he went, and he, and, he, and he tried to move the rock. He grabbed it, but he just couldn't move it. And, and so he goes, and he gets a, a rope, and he ties it around, and he tries pulling it, and he, and he can't move it. You know, he goes, and he gets a big piece of wood, and gets another rock, and tries using leverage, and he just can't move the rock. And so he goes back to his dad and he says, dad, I tried everything. I can't, I can't do it. And, and the dad says, we well, haven't tried everything. You haven't asked me for help. And the little boy says, dad, will you help me? And the dad says, absolutely. And I tell you what, I think that's what God is wanting from us tonight. That as we search our hearts, um, asking that it wouldn't be divided, asking God to meddle with the middle, to make us right in His sight, that we would ask for help, whatever the situation is. Because He really is a Father who wants